Hello. Hello. Welcome. Welcome back to Mad Scary Podcast. And in this episode, what are we going to talk about, Millie? We want to spend a little time kind of doubling back and thinking about the purpose of this pod, which is to experiment with screenwriting. So we have some prompts and things that we're going to drop into ChatGPT and work through live on the pod to kind of get us started uh, writing. Yeah. So excited so about that. We spent, I guess, the first four episodes of this podcast trying to watch different horror movies, get recommendations, and distill the scariness out of them. The, the stuff that we found scary, stuff that other people found scary, things mm-hmm. that we noticed that we gravitated to. Now we're going to take all that data and feed it into the machine. Yeah, and see what it says. We'll probably go back and do some more watching and reviewing and thinking but it felt like a good time to just start to wrap our heads around the actual writing process too but the first but yeah but first i actually got to go to philly for an ai conference run by a group called the bureau of digital and it was really interesting and really really fun to be in a room full of people who are excited and engaged around machine learning models the speakers were talking about their personal experience in building machine learning models and using them throughout like different aspects of their professional careers but there was a major focus on like using AI to create additional efficiencies and bolster productivity in like a digital agency uh, space like that was really like the focus because this is so new and what was funny was one of the women Brittany Mueller who who spoke has been building machine learning models for 12 years right and like so for me to say like it's new I mean it's new for us wasn't new for her which was really really fun and exciting to kind of get to hear her talk about mm-hmm. her kind of building these things 12 years ago and now what's going on and sort of people's impression of of AI and of course like she said which you've said which we talk about it's not artificial it's not artificial yeah, intelligence it's not true AI it's, but at the same time like Sure, people have been doing machine learning for mm-hmm. a long time. It wasn't like a publicly available right. thing that and people can yeah. use, uh, you know, like a chat GPT before that. It was not, you know, it was not democratic in that sense that people didn't have to have like a tech background or right. a coding background to play with these things. So it was great. I learned a lot. I met a lot of cool, interesting people in the space. And, you know, some of the biggest takeaways were things that we discuss, which these machine learning models are biased. They were built and created by a very specific type of person. And how that translates to what's generated is biased and we should keep that in mind. It is not by any means close to replicating the level of creativity like a person would have. Yeah, because um, it is still drawing from things that have already been created by people, right? right? And poorly in a lot of it's ways. It's really, and we were just talking about this before we hit record, it's really bad at creating faces. It's really bad oh my at creating gosh. human likenesses. We Your did prompts, use it for our cover of our last episode, um, like our podcast cover, and to to get one that didn't have a, a fucked up face <laughs> was like it was like hard. I had to flip through a lot of them to find it. But um, I think that's kind of good, though. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, because everybody's was sort of on the bandwagon of AI, there wasn't a lot of like 
fear mongering, although there were a few people that had valid questions and concerns. But I think for the most part, it was really fun to be in a in, in a room with a bunch of people who are ready to experiment like we're experimenting. And so I did talk about the pod like very superficially and people were fairly interested. And so that was fun too to kind of get to talk about what we're doing. Uh, not that by any means I was as well versed or at the level in which the others be <laughs> the, the, the actual speakers were. Well, that's the fun part of this is that it is an experiment and it's specifically by people who don't have right that kind of background. So that's what it is. Um, let me see. Any other takeaways? AI is biased. It's Did you not find really any at- cool tools that you want to try out from there? Like any racks or you saw anything in action that you're like, ooh, that's a cool use and I want to try to do that. There are some tools that can edit podcasts yeah like you can kind of put in prompts for it to like take out all the ums like it'll pull up a transcript and then you edit based off of the text that you're seeing and it pulls the actual that's kind of fun what we discovered from editing this podcast is that if you do take out all the ums then it it doesn't sound it doesn't sound natural and we're also New Yorkers and we talk really fast and then you take out the ums and now we're talking like super duper fast and it's not and some people listen to podcasts on like 2x <laughs> so it's like uh, I don't know but it would be like fun that. to try it out awesome I'm glad you had a good and useful time at the AI MLAI conference MLAI same thing but whatever um so Crickets on the Creek Killer. I know that you went to Brooklyn Mirage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you talk about that a little sure, bit? Sure, sure. We've been trying to track this Newton Creek Killer uh, Mirage murderer case that kind of blew up on the local news blogs for our neighborhood in, since, you know, the summertime. But since August, it's been crickets. No, no cop statements. No one's been caught. They say it's not foul play, even though it's identical deaths slash murders and yeah no update not a peep from anyone since then uh which i find to be mad suspect i did go to brooklyn mirage uh to see thundercat which is definitely not like normally what is playing there you know some of the things that people had concerns about in these articles they were a little more apparent than of like it is kind of a maze if you're mm. fucked up on drugs Oof. and drunk or whatever, or you've just been disoriented by the lights of the, you know, electronic you music that you're listening to. Direction. <laughs> yeah, you can actually go out to, to an area where you think that it's like a smoking area or a sitting area and like be outside and not be able to come back in. I didn't do it myself, but I saw like, oh, where is this staircase lead to? Where is that lead to? And there, nothing was really marked. Ooh. The other part was that during the concert, there was a man in front of us that just literally passed out. <gasps> like, it was it just started, too. And he was like, you know, when a dead body is, like, so heavy, like, he was passed the fuck out. Oh, my God. And, like, the three guys in front and Miles, who was with us, a friend of the pod, Miles, helped, like, carry him out. Oh, and to find, like, medic or something. And by the time they got through the doors... He, like, got up like nothing happened. Like, what drugs he was on? Frankenstein drugs? I don't know. But, like, he (laughs) shot up like he had just, like, you know, like Dracula out of the coffin and then was like, what? I'm just going to go about my life. So people are still, like, hitting hitting the hard drugs there in whatever way. So it is a pretty easy pickings for someone who wanted to find a victim. 
in a place like that, right? Like, it's it's so many zones. There's so many corridors that lead to other stages and rooms. And it's great in a lot of ways. There's a lot of cool food options. It's very efficient. You're not waiting in line for stuff a long time. But you do feel like cattle when you're coming in. You're just like bagging and tagging. And then you're inside. It's like coat and and scan this and then keep moving. And it's like, ah, before you know it, you're just like on the street or you're inside. And you're like, okay, some some pros and cons there. But when you leave, it is like you're on the street with street lights. And then you turn the corner and there's no street lights and just industrial buildings and parking lots and a lumber yard and nobody in sight. Um, No cars, nothing. So I get what people say, like when you leave there. If you're drunk, let's say you even had a drink and you're by yourself or no drinks and you're by yourself. It's fucking scary and dangerous because there's no one to call for help because no one will hear you or come. Right. So the idea of like making the surrounding area safe for a place that's visited yeah. you know, constantly by thousands and thousands of people every week. I see why people raise that concern for the mayor who probably didn't have any answers to it. Right. And we should do some more investigative journalism here because I think that when I first started to read about it I'm wondering if like the mayor he somehow because it just came out maybe today that they they're investigating he's getting investigated for all kinds of shady shit which like I mean mean, he's been on their radar for a while tales all the time and also not surprising yeah and I'm wondering if whoever built that place or owns that place is trying to keep all of the weirdness under wraps. Because well, that really... was part of the criticism of his um, treatment of people's complaints is that first he was like, well, it's a, it's a private business and they're up to code and all these things and we're not going to get involved if people, independent people who are going to this place are bringing their own drugs in. And the other piece was like, whoever owns the Brooklyn Mirage is... They're not their power player, probably in like that sort of industry or in nightlife or in real estate. And, you know, you have to pay to play in a lot of cities, right? Nobody sue me. I'm assuming there's some sort of uh, weird stuff going on. The sag strike is over. Oh, yeah. Um, What that means for us is that we don't have to be so concerned about the things that we review and talk about and share. And we can encourage people to watch whatever they want to watch yeah <laughs> i assumption we, that yeah we weren't that great at it no especially <laughs> after like we did the halloween thing but really we were just talking about stuff these are movies liked. that have already been made none of them are new movies so i um, thought we were cool with our recommendation episode yeah and it's halloween people are gonna stream stuff we're yeah. sorry sag after if yeah. we if people stream and, like and two yeah things. and that's also like not that's not getting in your way i'm happy that they got everything they wanted and more it seems like maybe Um, i mean jessica chastain is very excited and she's excited i'm excited i mean she's just a beautiful princess and we love her i love when she's happy about anything right glorious uh their statement is that the new deal is valued at more than a billion dollars and includes a streaming participation bonus as well as minimum compensation increases and background actors also get pay increases nice good um, for them yeah. hey what was that stupid uh clickbait <laughs> oh yeah the, the annoying thing though is that when it happened first news article i saw was sag finally like triumphs over ai as if this is the issue or what they're striking for i mean yeah it, they're striking so that these companies don't take advantage of them by using AI. Right. They're not, there's not a war against AI by right. the but members like, of SAG-AFRA. Pe- they didn't like, beat AI. They want a clickbait, you it's, know, header. They want that. They want people to like look at it. But my suspicion is that the, these media companies that own these 
sites and these right. publications also are the same people that own these movie and television companies. Right. It's like people know that. Like literally they're the ones who are blackballing them. Yeah. So I've seen it throughout this whole strike. Stop framing the issue like that in the media. The media is the problem. Although I did see and <laughs> these I, companies I didn't are the click on it, but I did see that some man was like crushed by a robot at his job and I almost sent it like to Jesse. A Jess. physical robot? Yeah. And I almost sent <laughs> oh, it to no. Jesse and was like they're coming for you. First <laughs> it's going to seem like an accident and then there's going to be <laughs> too many accidents coincidence i think not oh man the dog robot that's gonna go crazy you know those dog robots in like the warehouses or whatever jesse and i watched a movie called chopping mall did i talk to you about chopping mall oh yeah did you talk about it on the no no you didn't we talked about it um irl as friendship but Chopping Mall is a, a movie about killer robots. They do not chop anything. But uh, it's like a scary alert. way to say shopping. Yeah. Yeah, I see But that. it's cute. So Chopping Mall, these, these robots, RoboCop style, have been brought into the mall to keep the mall safe. I and feel so safe around RoboCops. <laughs> Oh, we have them in New York. All RoboCops are bad. <laughs> have you seen them? I haven't seen them in real life. Um, what? There's, no. there's oh. RoboCops. Well, my mom told me when she was in Dubai with Maxine that time. Maxine is my mom's friend who's like the coolest person ever. Just side note. My mom and Maxine were in Dubai. There were lots of these robots all over the place that would just like be helpful. Um, Google, do you need a trash can to Google put this trash Mayor in? Adams, RoboCops. Oh Google my God. it. Like we don't need RoboCops, Mayor Adams. RoboCop Patrol nine, Times they, Square Station. They straight oh. up look like trash cans with wheels on the bottom. Yeah. Actually, they're kind of cute. It's like if, <laughs> if R2-D2 like, uh, was in the shape of like marshmallow guy and and didn't have his roundness at all or whatever he this is like a weird thing. so that's a robocop but yeah so but what it, why imagine, is it a cop why what's the cop because it patrols it? the the subway stations for safety for safety and but i think, you maybe think people like, are gonna push these guys into the tracks i don't know i'm not know. giving anyone ideas but like New he York was City, very excited about here. it i don't know I haven't seen them in real life, but I have started to see like people posting about them on Instagram and like taking videos of them. Well, I do stay away from Times Square, so it's probably why I haven't seen this, but it looks expensive. Yeah. I mean, um, why very... not fix the freaking MTA? Yeah. Like, or just, they, miss, you know, they miss money like every there's single There's so many homeless year. people. There's so yeah, many like homeless people. Unhoused Let's... people all over. The, like, there are people who need mental health help. There's food pantries that need to be served. And you're making a robot that patrols Times yeah, we Square? Do not, we, we do not care for <laughs> what? this, Mayor Adams. This is like, we're putting Mayor Adams on blast in but this also, pod today. But also, it's like people are asking you to do stuff. What is this? No one asked me this. <laughs> we should ask ChatGPT what to do Chat about GPT, Mayor Adams. What do we do? Oh, no. I don't know. They'll probably say something scary. Like, destroy it's him. time to destroy the mayor. He tells lies. <laughs> <laughs> don't believe so, his lies. <laughs> so Chopping Mall is basically these robots in the mall and a group of teens stay after hours which they're not supposed to do classic teens and then they get yeah. they get lasered they get and well they don't get chopped they, they get, get lasered mold. they get squished <gasps> yeah squished by the robots i think so i think the robots squish they them squeeze? there is this one scene which i really love where this girl is like running through the mall maybe topless or definitely in her underwear and it's shooting lasers at her butt Oh. And it's like stinging her little butt. And you're like, oh no, her butt. But it's just like a little sting. It's yeah, but okay. then it 
hits her in the head and her head explodes. Oh. And I'm like, why was her butt Maybe absorbing the, the lasers? Maybe uh, like cell- cellulose and fat content of the butt protected her from <laughs> well, explosion. I don't know. No, I think it was like the the lasers were like not on the the highest uh, level. It was just for fun. And that, yeah, it was. I it's think like they were enjoying torturing her. Was my uh, mm, thing. robots can um, enjoy? That's. Yeah, yeah, that's our fear for them to enjoy anything. Right, <laughs> and they never really make it clear in the movie why they go bad. I think there's like a lightning strike that hits the building, like one of that's those. Like, real, what would, yeah, would do it. Do you want to talk about Shavana Herzog? Book? Oh, I would quietly mention Werner Herzog. We were gonna kind of talk about this on a previous episode and went on some other tangent, which is what happens if you've ever listened to another episode. But specifically, what I was talking about last time was the infinite conversation which is basically an AI-generated, never-ending discussion between Werner Herzog and Slavoj Žižek. So Werner Herzog has a very recognizable accent and way of speaking and he's like you know american sweetheart in oh a way my God, he's the best <laughs> and then slava zizek is also he also has a specific way of speaking about things that can be hard to understand or fantastical in certain ways this artist basically he created ai ml models to create a never-ending discussion between Werner Herzog and Slavo. And it's different every time you tune into it. You can tune into it now and it's still going on. And they're Whoa. they're talking about anything, whatever it is that he fed into them for the data sets. And it sounds like they would actually be talking about it because of how they speak. Yeah. Like Werner speaks in, you know, almost a lyrical way about stuff and with the, paired with the accent, it's like... It's so profound sounding. So that was like interesting to me that that was still going on. And that was like what someone thought to do with it. To connect that to real real life time. So he wrote a memoir. It's and called... it's called Every Man for Himself and God Against All. Of course, Jesus Christ. Wonderful. What a wonderful man. And then on the cover, it's like him looking, you know, disheveled, disheveled as hell and disinterested. Like he just get, came out of like a windstorm with like a, you know, metallic parka on. It's like it's awesome. Yeah. But anyway, like film form was doing a giveaway of this memoir on their Instagram and basically you had to like share something that would be really cool if Werner Herzog read or said in his voice and it was like people were putting quotes or whatever and I added my my entry in and it was basically the <laughs> review of Gusto's restaurant at the end of Ratatouille <laughs> um, by the critic. I got chosen and I got a free copy from Hooray. Film Forum. Like, shout out to the Film Forum. Um, I work pretty close to there so I went like after work and like picked it up and that's cool. So that's my Werner Herzog story of the day. and But also, it also came up because, Millie, you were talking about Werner the other day as well. Because- yeah, so Werner's my birthday buddy. His oh. birthday is also September 5th. I feel like we're both celebrating our birthday on the same day. We're connected. But I also <laughs> have this, like, really weird habit of, like, like breaking into a German accent and I specifically like do it at work a lot and I feel like it's like me just channeling him I'll be like so who's going to pull up the board (laughs) (laughs) it's just really weird but I love him and I was so excited that you got that book and I'm well you can borrow it after I read it thank you and then then you'll know all of his hopes and hopes and dreams I read the New York magazine interview with him where he was basically like I don't have a phone cool and I was like holy shit that's the coolest thing I've ever heard I wish that were me I like my phone because of emergencies but and also to like look at pictures of animals and birds on the internet (laughs) it's mostly (laughs) yeah it's mostly cat videos but also like I do ignore it a lot I only want to talk to people when I want to talk to people right (laughs) which is like not cool but also it is 
it's like cool like you send a message and it'll get there yeah I'll, I'll, at a time right. right i'm channeling some Werner yeah. in that sense like he seems pretty zen and happy right he doesn't look happy but he seems happy but he just has like a little grouchy face i think it's just like because he's thinking about a lot of things well i'm glad that's where we ended our little uh little wrap-up of what's new with because <laughs> i'm in a good you, mood Werner. love him yeah wonderful um, unpaid stooges here <laughs> yeah we're stooges. unpaid stooges okay all right, so next, next on, on We deck. watched a shit ton of movies for Halloween, Yeah, that, some of which we referenced in the previous episode, some I thought we could talk about in this episode. I, with my husband, highlights, yeah. did like a straight up deep dive into Guillermo del Toro's catalog. Catalog. And we watched Crimson Peak and Pan's oh. Labyrinth, Kronos, and Shape of Water. They were all muy excelente. Well-rounded, holistic view of his his catalog. Muy excelente. Kronos is like one of his first movies. It's like a vampire movie. Obviously, Pan's Labyrinth is like his one of his like most famous movies. One of the best bad guys ever. Crimson Peak was just like me just like deciding that I was going to spend most of October just like watching only Tom Hiddleston uh, dancing I mean, it's on so Instagram. so dreamy, right? Like, the color Ooh. saturation, the moodiness. Like, also, everyone is beautiful. Also, <laughs> him and Jessica Chastain are so pale. Yeah. That I just, like, want to drink their milky skin. Oh. Like, hmm. Yeah. That's so a, there you go. How's that? Um, they're also so sexy. Yeah. Oh, my sexy God. Sexy siblings. All, yeah, but they're dark. And it was gross. <laughs> and then The Shape of Water, we actually did a double bill of... Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, perfect. That's a great pair. And then watch Shape of Water, which was essentially, and mm-hmm. then we looked it up and Guillermo confirmed it, a sequel. Yeah. Because when he was a little boy, he had gone to the theater to see Creature from the Black Lagoon. And there's the scene where the the actress is swimming in the water and the creature's swimming underneath her. And when he was a little boy, he was like, oh, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And they're going to get together at the end. Oh, and my then gosh. at the end, yeah. spoiler alert, the creature gets shot. Now, what it's I like... King like, Kong style, you know? King Kong style. What I like to believe is that in the sequel, he does get to, like, the creature gets to meet his love and, and, and be with his person. And society understands. Right. And it's just like, <laughs> it's okay. I just thought that was really sweet. That's pretty much my highlight. Oh, I that's really... adorable. That's his takeaway. Yeah. So, yeah. What are some of the highlight movies that you watched for Spooky Season? Well, I, I did watch a lot of movies. A lot of them were rewatches. I think I did talk about the Deliver Us movie in the last episode. If I didn't, it it is a movie that's set in Russia, I believe. It is like a demonic possession sort of movie. And the plot is basically that this nun at a convent in some sort of rural, remote, snowy area becomes pregnant with twins that are Ooh. the Antichrist and um, and the Messiah. The, the Vatican intervenes and sends a priest and a bishop or whatever to attend to the situation and figure out what to do. But there are lots of forces that either want or don't want this to happen, which is great because it's like a better The Pope's Exorcist. (laughs) It was a director who had like directed certain other movies before, an American director, actually. And he played a Russian priest in it or a a priest that speaks Russian. 
I don't think he was actually Russian. The movie was great. Pacing was awesome. It was very scary when it needs to be scary. You cared about the characters and what happened to them. The elements of, you know, the secrets of the church and also like the prophecies around this Messiah and this Antichrist were good. The stuff that I wish was better about the Pope Exorcist in terms of like the storyline and the and the lore uh, were there. It was very sexy. <laughs> Very, very sexy, which I think like really, really scary movies have to also be really sexy. You just can't not because we're so scared. <laughs> we need the sexiness. Uh, it was good. It was a really good movie. I really enjoyed watching it. Recommend. Why, why are scary movies always so sexy? Because like fear and titillation are linked. So there, there's titillation. Do we want to make a sexy scary movie? I would, I'll, I would like to inject some sort of sexual elements into it <laughs> oh goodness because why not right. i mean well, ready to, everyone we have to investigate that a little bit more so that movie and then the other movie i did end up watching was no one will save you which is more of a sci-fi movie about the extraterrestrials very signs vibes mm. uh, very similar in terms of like person in a home the the aliens or the extraterrestrials are very interested in the home and the person in the home just like it's very similar to signs how it starts off where it goes is even more interesting i find because it's centered around this one person who is kind of isolated from the town that she's in but harbor is like a very pivotal dark secret about her Mm. past that kind of like is the lever for the outcome of the movie when you don't find out what that is until the end. There is some pacing issues in there, but other than that, I thought it was like a great watch and an unusual movie and that they put money to make that movie is great because they're really only putting money towards superhero movies these days, so great that they did that. I don't uh, even know if that's true. What? The superhero thing. I think they're not even putting money towards that anymore. I mean, like the Marvel movies. But there are no more. Like, that's right. well, pretty that's much good. it. I'm glad. It's like... But isn't there, like, a Miss Marvel movie coming out? Yeah, and, and like, already, there's like, going to be, like, another Loki... There's going to be a ton of content that, like, they're turning out. But I hope not. Because I was sick of it after after Infinity War. I'm like, it ended. It's over. Well, I don't want to hear anything about, <laughs> about I, Marvel anymore. I will always watch Loki because... I know. You Tom have a Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston um Also, it's just Doctor obsession. Who. Like, if you like Doctor Who, Loki is just Doctor Who because it's time travel-y and timey-wimey. Loki um, is a cool character, but yeah. I, don't, I would not watch his show. I just don't care to explore the multiverse. I don't know. I think it's worth it. Actually, you know what I will say about that show? And they've already hired the, the, the writer and the showrunner to do Doctor Who. But the art direction and the like tangible design of the sets is like really, really crazy. It's really nice to see. And we talk about this a lot. Practical effects. Practical yeah. effects and tangible sets that are not just CG backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Like you could see that like the TVA book is like an actual orange book that they printed a bunch of copies of that mm-hmm. has actual like pages that are printed and that like the counter that like the Formica counter of the table that they're sitting at is like an actual table. It's just like, man, it must take a really long time to do that. And I also just really like 70s 
kitchen <laughs> like it started like it's seafoam green and like yeah the color orange. story the green orange brown yeah, yeah yeah and it's just like the color story yes you but, have um, a lot of to say about the 70s in every episode it's like a scary time it's this time 70s, it's come up man. quite a bit the 70s you love it you hate it t- titillated by it, it. follows <laughs> made me feel like that yeah. was the 70s except for that weird, weird clamshell thing and oh guess what we were talking about it what it's getting a sequel Oh, yeah. It's like we they, they follow. follow. Oh, my gosh. Ah. What does uh, that mean? Is it going to be a different thing? I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. I don't even know because it was they follows. Yeah. It wasn't just it. It was them. Ooh. So, like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> so, should we third, get all up in? Yeah, yeah. Should we get all up in ChatGPT? Yeah, the active um, part of our. So, the first thing. I'm going to open want... up Google Bard also. Okay. I don't know if we mentioned that. We're going to try it on both since Bard is like a little more available uh, right now. What will we start with? So the uh, first thing I wanted to ask ChatGPT was for a framework on how to start writing a screenplay. Like what do we need and how can we get started? So for my prompt, I'm gonna write. Okay, I'll write the same prompt as you. Please critique my prompt if you feel like I need to change some of the language. So I'm I'm gonna say, can you share a framework on how on how to start writing a screenplay, and on then, how to maybe on how on where to get started when writing a screenplay. I like how to start writing a screenplay. It seems a little simple, and we can see how to f- tweak the prompt from there. Okay. So, can you share a framework on how to start writing a screenplay? Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, I'm gonna hit it. Oh Lord. Okay. There's a lot of stuff going on here. Writing a screenplay can be rewarding, but cha- a challenging endeavor. Here's basic framework to help you get started. Idea generation. So we talked about this. Start with a compelling idea or concept. It could be based on a theme, a character, an event, or even a what if scenario. Consider what message or emotion you want to convey through your screenplay. Create a log line. Yeah, uh, these are the same ones. Develop an idea, create a log line. Your story in one or two sentences. This will help you clarify the central conflict and main characters. This is interesting. Character development. Outline your main characters, understand their backgrounds, motivations, and arcs. Ensure that each character serves a purpose in advancing the plot. Hmm, not included in mine. (laughs) Structure your story. Use three-act structure as a guide. This typically includes act one, introduce. Act two, develop the conflict. Act three, resolve the conflict. And provide a satisfying conclusion. Outline scenes. Break down your story into scenes. Each scene should have a clear purpose in advancing the plot. Note the location, characters, and key actions or dialogue. Write the script. (laughs) Super easy. Sounds good. Follow industry standards for formatting. It's probably like MLA format for writing papers. like final draft or writer duet can help. Focus on visual storytelling, show don't tell, keep dialogue natural and purposeful. Every line should serve a specific function. Focus on conflict. Conflict is the engine that drives the screenplay. Rewriting and polishing. Don't be afraid to rewrite. The first draft is just the beginning. Get feedback from others. Polish your screenplay. Then formatting and presentation. Ensure your script adheres to industry standards. Include a title page, character list, scene headings. Proofread, eliminate typos. Get feedback is a separate one. And then the final draft. And then industry research is the last one. And it says research the industry standards for submitting scripts. Consider entering screenwriting competitions or querying agents. I didn't even think about competitions. Yeah. That's that's, interesting. That's good information. I I mean, it's probably information you can also get out of a book. But like, no, it's all concise in one place. Some of it's the same in the barred response. 
but a lot of it is missing. I feel like your ChatGBT answer is a lot more robust in terms of elements that are not included in here at all. Like therefore things were develop an idea, write a log line, create an outline in terms of like a roadmap for your screenplay and then start writing. Um, and then some other uh, tips that are additional were read other screenplays, watch movies with a critical eye, don't be afraid to experiment, uh, break the rules when it comes to screen screenwriting and then get feedback from others. But it didn't include any of the bit about the formatting and about industry standards or, or about character development. Um, so yeah, I feel like ChatGPT oh, right now is We didn't say winner. horror screenplay. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> should we change it and see? Yeah. Um, Why well, well we... you can continue the conversation. Yeah, maybe right? we should say, are there any other recommendations I, I, when writing a horror movie screenplay. How about, are there any specific tips for writing a horror screenplay versus, I mean, a horror screenplay question mark. I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible, but sometimes that not is not the best way. Are there any other recommendations? Maybe I should just go, what about writing a horror movie screenplay and <laughs> see what it says. Yeah. What about writing a horror movie screenplay? Are there any tips for writing specifically a horror screenplay? That's what I'm going to say to Bard. Okay. Because it didn't get, I feel like it's just not as robust as OpenAI's ChatGPT, you know? Okay, let's see what it says. Okay, certainly. Writing a horror screenplay has its own set of considerations to create a suspenseful oh, yeah, and chilling experience. Here are some additional tips. Number one, establish atmosphere and tone. Use descriptive language to set mood and atmosphere. Build tension gradually. Slowly escalate the tension throughout the script. Mm -hmm. Introduce small, eerie elements early on and build up to more intense scares. Create relatable characters. Ensure that your audience cares about the characters. This makes the horror more impactful when the characters are in peril. Play on fears. Identify universal fears or anxieties and incorporate them into our story. Like they say literally here, tap into your own fears. What scares Ooh. you? What makes you uncomfortable? What keeps you up at night? Like it's like very similar. Use the unknown to your advantage. Keep elements mysterious. Fear of the unknown is a powerful tool in horror storytelling. Subvert expectations where there are certain conventions in horror. Try to subvert expectations to keep the audience on their toes. Utilize sound and silence. That reminds me of Under the Shadow, how there was no music. Remember? Yeah. Create iconic imagery. Explore psychological horror. Don't rely solely on gore or jump scares. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Use the setting wisely. Pace yourself. Create sympathy for the antagonist. Consider the audience's imagination. Sometimes what is implied or unseen can be more terrifying than what is shown. That's in here too. That's great. And I was really feeling that when I watched The Conjuring. There were like a bunch of things that they did not really show but yeah you were anticipating and it just was like the most scary thing ever mine says end with a bang <laughs> the ending of your horror screenplay is important it should leave the audience feeling scared disturbed or even thoughtful <laughs> it also like says misdirect the audience horror movies often rely on twists and turns to keep the audience guessing so it's similar a lot of these are very similar to what yours output as well so yeah, I also like the little tag at the end. It's like, remember, horror is subjective and what scares one person may not scare another. Trust your instincts and focus on creating an engaging and suspenseful experience for your audience. Happy writing. I kind of like This thought. one is like, remember to have fun. Aw, <laughs> thanks. We will. Writing a horror screenplay should be an enjoyable experience. What? 
No. Actually, I think it's going to be kind of fucked up. Yeah. Okay, that's good. How um, about, do you want to try feeding some of our data into it? Right. So we were going to ask it to find what the four movies we watched have in common. Gotcha. What are some common themes? And then we can compare it to our trope list. Okay. I'm going to put of the following movies under the shadow. Of the following horror movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Under the shadow by Babak Ansari, right? Babak, Yeah. Our boy Barbak. <laughs> um, uh, talk to me by those silly boys. What were they called? Uh, the Philippus. By the Filippo brothers. Colorado uh, Space. Oh, yeah, yeah. Colorado Space. It's not the Colorado Space. It's just Colorado Space, mm-hmm. right? Colorado Space. By Richard Stanley. Mm. He must not be named. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> uh, Under the Shadow, Talk to Me. Colorado Ex- Space. Ex- and Ex Machina. By Alex Garland. What, I'm, what am I missing? Those are the four. I have Under the Shadow, Colorado Space, Ex Machina. Talk to me. I'm going to just say what do the following horror movies have in common just to see if I need to refine to horror tropes, but what should we just do that? What do the following horror movies have in common? All right, I'm going to go. We're doing it? All right, let's yeah, see what it says. Happens. I put talk to me by the Philippu Borthers. That was my typo. <laughs> the Borthers. <laughs> you don't know about it. Okay, can I share mine? Yeah, let's The do horror that. movies Under the Shadow, Call Out of Space, Ekmakana, and Talk to Me have a number of things in common, including cosmic horror elements. Mm-hmm. Cosmic. I would not apply that to Under the Shadow um, or Ex Machina. Um, all four movies feature elements of cosmic horror, which is a subgenre of horror that focuses on the fear of the unknown. Okay, I see that. that I didn't know that's what that was cosmic called. Cosmic horror? Cosmic horror is the fear of the unknown and the incomprehensible. They often in- involve encounters with beings alien to us or forces that are beyond human understanding yeah that's true that's what they all have in common isolation in all four movies the main characters are isolated from the outside world and isolation makes them more vulnerable to the horrors that they face the fourth thing was themes of identity and consciousness yours are very different than mine oh that's great because so far it's been very similar all four movies explore themes of identity and consciousness they ask questions such as what does it mean to be human and what happens to our consciousness after we die I don't, oh, yeah, well, in Color Out of Space, it gets absorbed. Mm-hmm. Under the Shadow, it's not really about that, I don't, I don't think. Well, it was oh, like she dreams. was seeing the ghosts. Yeah. Like, she was sort of seeing, like, zombie ghosts of the people that the creature had killed. Yeah. And is... also, like, maybe it was her mom. Remember? They were, like, yeah, kind of alluding to that. Like, it could have just been, like, her part ghost of the mom. misdirect the audience. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know what the, the hell was going on in that movie, clearly. <laughs> the last piece was visually stunning cinematography. Okay, all four movies feature visually stunning cinematography that creates a sense of atmosphere and suspense. I don't think Under the Shadow had visually visually stunning cinematography, but it did. I'm thinking of it in the vastness. Yeah, yeah. It had very special cinematography, had a very special style to it. That's true. I will agree with all four. What about you? Sounds good. I have a bunch. Okay, so it's like, well, the films you've mentioned cover a range of themes and styles. They share some common elements that tie them together, especially in in terms of genre and narrative features. Here are potential commonalities. 
atmosphere and tone. Each film tends to create a distinct atmosphere that contributes significantly to the overall tone, whether it's a supernatural tension. That's mad general. In Under the Shadow, the psychological (laughs) intensity in Talk to Me or the cosmic horror in Color Out of Space or the futuristic unease in Ex Machina. I like that. Genre blending. These films often blur genre boundaries. For example, Under the Shadow combines horror with elements of psychological drama and war film. Talk to Me incorporates horror into its exploration of grief and familial dynamics. Colorado Space combines cosmic horror with science fiction, and Ex Machina merges science fiction with psychological thriller elements. Cinematic visuals. Each film pays careful attention to its visual presentation. You talked about that. Existential or philosophical themes. The films often delve into deeper themes. What is themes. a human being? <laughs> right. Beyond just scares. Ex Machina, for instance, explores the nature of artificial intelligence and consciousness, while Colorado Space delves into cosmic horror and the insignificance of humanity in the face of the unknown. Isolation and enclosed spaces. Yeah, this is here, too, specifically about Ex Machina. It creates a sense of claustrophobia and suspense using a variety of techniques such as close-ups and tight framing to create the sense of intimacy. That's good information. Yeah. Isolation in closed spaces is really great. Unsettling (laughs) or unpredictable narratives. Isolation in closed spaces is really great. It's really. It's just like the best. (laughs) Unsettling or unpredictable narratives. I will agree with that. Strong characterization. The characters in these films are well-developed. Innovative storytelling. These films showcase innovative storytelling techniques, whether it's the cultural and historical context and under the shadow, the nonlinear narrative and talk to me, the cosmic and surreal elements in Colorado space or the exploration of artificial intelligence. In Ex Machina, the storytelling goes beyond conventional horror tropes. I do agree that these are like not very like standard like slasher movies or vampire movies. They're like Yeah, it doesn't also rely on the drum scares or anything like that. The last one is intellectual engagement. These films engage the audience intellectually, prompting them to think about the themes presented. They often leave room for interpretation, discussion, elevating the horror genre beyond more than shock value. Very good. These so are far, good this is giving us a lot to think about and stuff that we also have already sort of mapped out in our tropes. Right. So should so we validate the tropes? Yeah, why not? Let's do it. All right. So how should we do this so that the... Let's see... Because there's not one movie that has every trope that we've seen, right? There's still some outliers in all of them. I don't know. Maybe just go through the list of tropes and pick out the ones that we like. <laughs> and then, here, here, what's a movie that has all of these in it? Well, I kind of wanted, I kind of just wanted to put the whole list in. But there's like four lists, right? And they're duplicates. But it doesn't matter. It'll find the duplicates. It's a machine. Yeah. It's a learned, learned machine. Um, okay, so what do we have so far? We got demons and evil spirits. We got AI robots going rogue. Enigmatic rich person with unknown motives. I think we should just put them all in. It's hard to figure out where the duplicates are here. I just copied all of them, and I'm going to... Some of them are repeats, but whatever. It shouldn't be a problem. Okay. Creepy little girl, creepy little boy. There's a lot of those in there. I can probably take one of those out. Is Daddy crazy? I think there's Daddy. Is Daddy crazy in a lot of them, huh? Daddy be crazy. Mommy be crazy. Except too. in Under the Shadow, Daddy was just trying to. Daddy was like the most level-headed, family. normal dude. Had his his heart in the right place. Okay, I'm okay, going. Okay, what's our prompt? We're gonna say we we have compiled a list. Compiled a list of horror movie horror movie tropes. Element, elements and tropes. That have c- come up, maybe? Yeah, that have come up while 
watching the following films, and then we should just copy and paste the list mm-hmm. that we had from the previous prompt. Films. We watch films. What oh. do we want them to do? Okay, we want it to compare what it just shared with us with the list that we created. Okay, compare your output above on what these films have in common with the tropes in this list. Yeah. And share your analysis. Let's see what it says. Hit it, girl. Following horror movie elements and tropes have come up while watching the films Under the Shadow, Call Out of Space, Ex Machina, and Talk to Me. And the list goes... Cosmic horror, isolation, body horror, loss of control, unreliable reality, doubles. Oh my gosh, yeah, doubles. There are doubles in all of these. Doubles? Yeah, like there's like a version of her mother in, in Under the Shadow. Oh, yeah. There's a version of her mother in Talk to Me. Ooh. There's like weird doppelganger situations. Her dad. The other thing is Invasion in a lot of different ways, and technology. My analysis of how films fit into the tropes is as follows. All four films feature elements of cosmic horror, with cosmic horror stories often involve encounters with alien beings or forces beyond human understanding. In Under the Shadow, the film features malevolent djinn, the lore of the djinn, a supernatural creature that is said to be able to shapeshift and possess people. Colorado Space features a strange alien entity that infects a family and their farm. Ex Machina explores the potential dangers of artificial intelligence, which could be seen as a form of cosmic horror. And Talk to Me features a mysterious entity that's able to manipulate a voice-activated home assistant device. What? what? The entity can be seen as a form of technological cosmic horror. No. <laughs> yeah, also my list is wild. It just like took our list and then its list and then just like batched what we said under what oh it was yeah. like i was right and yeah. you were wrong Here, let me just what <laughs> is the weird things that you put in this list it was basically like let me reorganize this list yeah for you. anything interesting from it like let me see common elements from previous analysis all films focus on creating a distinct atmosphere genre that just kind of like repeated the list do you think they even read what we wrote uh but then it's like analysis <laughs> of specific elements tropes from your list It broke it up by movie, so it was like supernatural elements, demons, evil spirits, medium commuting with spirits, technology as conduit to spirits. That's not what happened. There was no technology as conduit to spirits. Family dynamics, parent blaming things on kids. (laughs) See, it just like reorganized our list. Here, here is my list. Yeah, I'm going to resend mine. Resend my dumbass list. Um, I'm going to regenerate and see if it fixes... What it's, that was something I learned at the AA conference. It was like, if you don't like what it said, just have it do it again. <laughs> Sometimes I tell it. I'm like, I don't, do like that again. I don't like your answer. Can you do it better? <laughs> <laughs> do it better. Oh, my gosh. This is what it said to me. I'm unable to help as I'm only a language model and don't have the ability to process and understand that. Didn't I just say that? He's mm-hmm. not going to know what I meant by yeah. <laughs> big knife, Chekhov's gun, question mark. <laughs> Okay, so what I've learned is we need to go through our list and make the list more machine learning for anybody. Yeah, not not just for my brain. Okay, Okay, cool. Did yours say anything weird to you? No, it just keeps reorganizing the list. (laughs) It's like, really, I already told you my list is good, your list is bad. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I guess there you have it. <laughs> Although, it reorganized the list, and point one is, is daddy crazy? Oh my god, that's great. Yeah. What does it have to say about that? The elements appear in Ex Machina Under the Shadow and Color Out of Space. It just, 
She just keeps reorganizing the list. But it but agrees that the... No, it does reorganize <laughs> the list. I'll, we'll post this on the blog so yeah, people can see how can silly this is. Um, this, this is our fault. We should have gone... <laughs> <laughs> we should have gone it's a learning list. experience that yeah. oh they, these large language models I'm using Bard she's using ChatGPT are not able to access the nuances of how we categorize these tropes. also like we don't speak normal you know yeah, I guess but it's it's not just supposed to be for normal it could be you're supposed to be able to put for anything everyone. in here normal it doesn't exist um, it doesn't speak Bronx <laughs> <laughs> Like, I put enigmatic rich person with unknown motives. That should be fine, right? I agree. Is this part of a dream or not? Yeah, these these are good. Some of them are weird, right? I put nudity, parentheses, unsexy. (laughs) Unsexy nudity. But there's unsexy nudity in a lot lot of them. Sleepwalking, parentheses, butt sucking. (laughs) How are those related? They're not. I get it. Okay. So our takeaways are we need to reevaluate the list of tropes and turn it into like normal human language that the models can ingest. Right. Um, all right. All right. So I think we did a whole lot in this. We did a lot. Episode maybe too much. Yeah, we got a lot of information that we're gonna synthesize. And thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. The end. The end.